as you sit down, go ahead and open your, up your Bible to Titus chapter 1. Titus chapter 1. Uh, we are studying the, uh, the characteristics of a godly man, characteristics of a godly leader, the characteristics of an elder. And we are working our way through Titus. Um, some of you are thinking, are we actually working our way through it, or are we just kind of kind of working our Yes, we are working our way through it ever so carefully, as we want to make sure that we understand the full counsel of God and uh, the understanding of the role of an elder, and specifically the characteristics of an elder. Uh, we want to know what God has to say about a godly leader. The characteristics of a godly leader or the measure of a godly man. Uh, Titus was tasked by Paul to stay on the island of Crete, to go around the island of Crete and establish the local church. And to establish the local church, the first thing he was to do was to establish the leadership in the church. A healthy church is led by healthy leaders. And God is more concerned about the character of the leader than he is about the competence of the leader. God has placed shepherds, not CEOs, in the leadership of the church. He cares more about integrity than he does about ability. And so when Titus was tasked with doing this, he was called to go and find godly leadership, men who could set the example for the rest of the church to follow. Who on that island, in those specific cities, in that group of Christians, can rise above the rest and set the example for the rest to follow. Who is worth imitation? Who is worth modeling their life after? Who can set the example for the rest to follow? Titus, what I want you to do is set in order the church and appoint those men to lead the church. That's what it says in Hebrews 13, 7. It says this, Remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God, Consider the outcome of their way and imitate their faith. So Titus was told to place examples for the flock to follow, the elders of the church that can help them grow in godliness. And so we're looking now, as you can see this then in verse 6 of following, and we'll read this in a second. We're looking at then the qualifications of a godly leader. What qualifies a man to be an elder in the church. And number one, the first qualification or characteristics of a godly leader, we looked at this a few weeks back, is this. They lead with integrity. They lead with integrity. Verse 6, if anyone is above reproach. Verse 7, an overseer as God's steward must be above reproach. Number two, is this, they lead their family. So first they lead with integrity. They're above reproach. There is no accusation against them. And then secondly, they lead their family. And we saw the first part of this a couple weeks ago, is that there is faithfulness in marriage. They are a one-woman man. They're fully devoted to their spouse. They're fully devoted to their wife. They have their eyes upon her and her alone. Their, their heart is set on her. They have two feet in the marriage with her, not one foot out, not one, one uh, eye looking another way. Faithful to her. He leads her. He loves her. He is a one-woman man. 
He is faithful in marriage. And we said this, you do not have to be married to be an elder in the church, but it's the first place you look. One of the first places you look to find and see if this man can lead. He, you check and see if he can lead and love his wife. Secondly, then is this, and we'll look at this point this morning. Uh, as it says there, if anyone is above reproach, the husband of one wife and his children are believers and not open to the charge of debauchery or insubordination. The second point this in leading the family is faithfulness in parenting. Faithfulness in parenting. Now you may be saying to yourself, well, I'm not married and I don't have children. Does this apply to me? Well, uh, yes, it does apply to you because we're not just talking about parenting here. We're talking about the role of an elder here and the understanding of what a pastor should do and look like and act like in the church. And the way that they parent is going to be a reflection of the way they're going to lead in the church. And for those desirous one day to be married, one day desirous to have children, then you need to know what you're getting into, and you need to know the role and responsibility that the Lord may bless you with down the road. So we want to look at this faithfulness in parenting as a qualification here of an elder shepherd. Let me read it for you, and then we'll pray and jump in. Let's start in verse 5. This is why I left you in Crete so that you might put what remained in order and appoint elders in every town as I directed you. If anyone is above reproach, the husband of one wife and his children are believers and not open to the charge of debauchery or insubordination. For an overseer, as God's steward, must be above reproach. He must not be arrogant or quick-tempered or a drunkard or violent or greedy for gain, but hospitable, a lover of good, self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. He must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught so that he might be able to give instruction in sound doctrine and also to give rebu rebuke, uh, to rebuke those who contradict it. Let's ask the Lord for our help this morning as we jump in. Our Heavenly Father, with our Bibles open, right there on our lap. May we hear from you this morning. Teach us your word. Encourage our hearts. Rebuke our hearts where that needs to happen. Soften our hearts. Enlighten our minds to understand the blueprint for the local church. Lord, help us to conform to your word. May we move aside all pride, all hardness of heart to be able to hear from you this morning. May we do so by your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. The matter here at hand, which we want to discuss, is that a godly leader is faithful to train and instruct his children in the way of the Lord. I want you to see this and why this is important. Look over in 1 Timothy with me. Just flip back, uh, really just a couple of pages to your left if you have your Bible open there. In 1 Timothy chapter 3, it gives us more insight here. and It's worth noting from the top why this is so important. In 1 Timothy chapter 3, in verse 4, it says this, He must manage his own household well. With all dignity, keeping his children submissive, for if someone 
does not know how to manage his own household, how will he care for God's church? If a man is unable to lead in his marriage, if he's unable to lead his children, then he will be unable to lead in the local church. That's the point. If he cannot lead in his smaller family, how can he lead in the larger family of God? And no matter how great this man is, no matter how wonderful his management skills may be, no matter how wonderful his charisma is or his communication skills may be, if he cannot lead his children in discipleship, if he cannot lead them to Christ, if he cannot lead them to grow in Christ, he cannot lead in the church. And you say, well, why should a man's leadership ability be judged by his children? Well, the answer is that parents are responsible for the proper nurturing and upbringing of their children. One of the first places you look to see if a man can lead and disciple and instruct others in the church is to see if they are effectively pointing their own children to Christ and to Christ's likeness in the home. If the home is not a beacon for godliness, if it's not a, a beacon for instruction and for obedience and a place to learn respect and honor, a place to respect authority, a place to love Christ, a place to learn how to love the church, then that man is not fit to be placed as an example for the church to follow. I've been a part of churches over, over the years where I've seen this evident in elders, where I've seen elders and no elders who have said, I need to step down from the role of an elder and a pastor so that I can focus on my family, so that I can focus on my marriage, so that I can focus on my children. I've seen elders who have been uh, asked to step down and to say, hey, you are doing so much in the church, but you're neglecting your own children. I think it's best for you to step down from this role and focus primarily on your children. In both cases, this proved to be the right decision. These men focused on the spiritual well-being of their children as the priority because we know what God's Word says, right? If they cannot manage their own home, if they cannot train their own children to walk in the way of godliness, how can they train another to do so? This is noble. It's not shameful. This is a proper recognition of the priority of the home. This is a proper understanding of the leadership in the home to disciple your own children before you go out and try to disciple somebody else's. And I just want to say this as a, as a side note, how thankful I am to our own elders, to Dave and Joel, who from day one have said to me, do not neglect your family for somebody else's family. I'm so thankful that they reiterate to me, be at your kids' games, be a part of their lives, Go enjoy time with them alone. Disciple your own family, and they make sure that I'm doing that. And if I'm not doing that, they'll remind me that this is the priority. And I'm so thankful, especially Dave, since day one has said that to me. Because this is so true, right? Why should a pastor or an elder neglect his own family for somebody else's? It just doesn't make sense. I'm blessed and thankful for this, 
to be the desire and the priority of our church and the elders of our church is to set the example as best we can. Well, let's look in the text and see specifically what it says in Titus. It says this, look at verse 6, If anyone is above reproach, the husband of one wife, and children are believers and not open to the charge of debauchery or, or insubordination. What, is, what does that mean? That's the phrase here that we want to look at. What does that mean? His children are believers and not open to the charge of debauchery or, or insubordination. Well, let me just tell you, first of all, what, what it does not mean. It does not mean this, that you need to have children to be an elder. That you need to have children to be an elder. Children are not the key to leadership in the church. In fact, uh, Paul said this to Timothy. He said, let no one despise you for your youth, but set the believers an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. Sometimes the young men are in the church are some of the more mature men in the church. And they actually set the example for us. They go, man, that guy's passionate about this. That man is disciplined in this way. And we could actually look to the younger men to say, hey, they're setting an example to us. You don't have to have children to be in leadership. You don't have to have children to be an elder. However, you look to the man's children to see if he can nurture and admonish and disciple and if a man does not have children, then you've got to look elsewhere. Who else are they discipling? Where else are they discipling? In a small group, in men's group, in, in kids' ministries, in youth ministries, is there an example of discipleship and shepherding because that's their role at large within the church? Are they doing it at a micro level? When it says children there, uh, it's children of any age, primarily talking of, of any child. It's not just when they hit 18, it's no longer responsibility or, or anything like that. The, the rela- relationship definitely changed, but, it, but here it, it, we're referring to ch- children of any age, but most likely children that are still in the home. And the most debatable part about this verse here is when it says there that the children must be believers. They must be saved. They must be Christians. The word believe there, it carries the idea of being faithful. It carries the idea of being trustworthy. It does not mean that your child must be a Christian to be an elder within the church. It means that your children are under the control of the parent. They are trustworthy. They are faithful to their parents. They're faithful to the authority that are in their lives in the parents. Listen, the responsibility of salvation is unto the Lord and the Lord alone. A parent cannot make their child become saved. Parents do not hold the keys that unlock a child's heart for salvation. Only God does. And no parent should hold the responsibility of that. They do not carry the burden that if their child does not come to know Christ, it is their fault. We wouldn't say that in the church at large as this is the family of God, that, that I hold the responsibility for your salvation. That's God's responsibility. In fact, that's exactly what Jonah 2 verse 10 says. Salvation is unto the Lord. We cannot think that as parents we can pull on the right heartstrings of our children to get them saved. Only God saves. However, however, Parents have the most influence 
on whether or not salvation is a real thing. If sin is real, if heaven is real. They have the greatest influence to faithfully teach and train their child about sin and Jesus and death and the resurrection and the purity of the gospel and the way of salvation. They do have that, re- that responsibility. It's incredible and it's valuable. It's a God-given responsibility to train up a child in the way they should go so that when they are old, they will not depart from it. So the assessment then of the man is not on a single profession of faith of a child. Oh, that child professed faith at eight years old. Make that man an elder. Just as much as you'd say that that child had an outburst of anger. Well, that man can't be an elder. We're looking at the culture of the family. We're looking at the discipleship of the family. Observing their conduct and convictions over time. And only time will tell if the father is truly involved in the process of their spiritual growth. Is there evidence of consistent discipline and spiritual nurturing happening over time? Or is there neglect of the child's character and a turning a blind eye to their behavior? We're talking about consistent discipline. We're talking about consistent discipleship. Not a single act. The culture of the home is discipleship. And it says there specifically that they're not open to the charge of debauchery or insubordination. The word there, uh, debauchery, it, it deals with a prodigal, a prodigal child, one who's wandered from the home. It's talking about a child who is reckless, a child who is out of control. This is commonly used for a word of drunken partying. Speaking of a child who could do whatever they want, whenever they want, telling the parents what they're going to do, speaking with disrespect. No authority has been established in the home, and therefore the child doesn't know how to respect and honor authority within the home. They're charged with debauchery, eventually wandering from the home. They can wander from the home emotionally. They can wander from the home physically. They can wander from the home spiritually. All those would be charges of a child who is reckless and out of control. Secondly, then, is this, is that they would not be charged with insubordination. This has to do with rebellion to authority. This has to do with personal unruliness, a refusal to recognize authority and submit to the proper authority. The children are unruly. Even if the child is a believer and they still are unable to submit to their parents and their coaches and their teachers and aunts and uncles and any authority over them, they can still be charged with insubordination. And again, we're not talking about a single incident. Kids are going to be kids, right? We're talking about the culture of the home. We're talking about the the attitude of the child to authority. What are their habits? Are they uncontrolled? Do they show respect to authority? Do they submit to authority? Have they been nurtured and and instructed in the home? And this is the thought that Paul has to Titus here as he's talking about this, is, is the understanding that in the home, it is a place of learning and growing and teaching and admonishment and nurturing the family. 
place to grow in godliness, to understand and respect authority. And here's the truth. If your kids don't respect you, they have zero chance of respecting God. If a child can't respect their own parents, why should we expect them to submit to the authority of God? A tantrum in the aisle of Target started with a tantrum in the chair at the dinner table. Disrespect to authority happened because disrespect happened to mom and dad in the home. What happens in public is a direct result of what's happened in private. It begins in the home, the culture of the home. It should be the primary school of learning for your children. And kids need their fathers in the home to show them and to train them how to be young men, how to be young adults, how to be young women. The training needs to happen, and, and studies have shown that really you've got between the ages of 7 and 12 to give them the most influence you can to prepare them for puberty and for young life. You can't neglect those precious years of pouring into your children. It takes hard work. It's even harder because biblical parenting is under attack by Satan. Satan wants to undo the home, therefore he wants to make you think that you don't need to parent your children. You just let your children do whatever you want, and, and everyone can just go and do their own way, and everybody find their own way, and, and you do you, and YOLO, and everything else that's out there. Just let your children figure out their own way of life. And unfortunately, married couples have, who have children, who've been blessed with children, don't want a parent. They'd rather turn them over to artificial parents, relatives, television, schools, internet apps, games, church groups, youth groups, coaches, sports teams, daycares, before and after school care. And what ends up happening is those things have more influence on the moral and social development of the child than the family does. And we need to recognize that this is a clear relinquishing of the parent's duty before God. The Lord has blessed certain couples with children, and the primary responsibility of the parent is to nurture and admonish them. It's not your primary responsibility to be the hardest worker in the family to the neglect of your child to provide financial stability to the ne neglect of your child. It's not your job to make your children popular. It's not your job to make your children have the best, closest friends and the greatest community that they could ever imagine. It's not your job that your kids fit in with the right kids and social clubs. The lens of parenting must be a biblical one and a spiritual one. What are you doing to help your child grow in Christ. What's going to bring my child close to Jesus Christ? And how do I help them get there? And the primary influence in the home, listen, it's laid on the fathers. 
They set the culture, they set the path, they decide the rhythm and the priorities of the family. And with submission to Christ together with their wife, they strive for godliness in the home, full-time, lifelong commitment. That's the role. I want you to notice something with me. We could turn a little bit of practical here. Turn to Ephesians 6, because I want fathers especially to see this. Ephesians 6. Ephesians 6, you say, is there anything for the wise? It's coming in Titus 2. So so be careful what you wish for, because it's coming in Titus 2, which is going to be so good. This is why I love this book so much. It speaks to so many different people at different times, and we need to understand our roles and responsibilities. Ephesians chapter 6. Let's start in verse 1 for the children. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. For this is right. Honor your father and your mother. This is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Here we go. Verse 4. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. This is the instruction to the fathers. Number one, do not provoke your children to anger. Don't deliberately aggravate them. Don't discourage them. Don't goad them unnecessarily. Don't provoke them to be angry at you or their siblings or any other authority. Children, you guys know this, who have kids, will get angry on their own. They don't need the help of their dads to do so. Okay, They're, they're going to have outbursts of anger on their own. And so avoid provoking your children to anger. Don't crush them with excessive discipline. Don't confuse them with inconsistent discipline. And don't coddle them with zero discipline. All that leads to anger, which leads to discouragement, which eventually leads to rebellion. Instead, look what it says. But bring them up. That has the root word there of nourishment. Nurture them. The role of the father is to nurture the children. How do you do that? You do that with discipline and instruction in the Lord. You admonish them. You warn them. You remind them. You correct them. Sometimes you rebuke them when they're wrong. You discipline them. And you do this, uh, uh, this, this word to bring them up. It has the idea of tenderness and affection and, and sympathy. And you mature your children as you nurture them and instruct them in the way of the Lord. And this word there, even for discipline there, or admonishment and instruction there, uh, they're not contrasting one another, but they're actually building upon one another, because sometimes this takes warning, it takes correction, it takes exhortation, it takes rebuke. It's not just always positive reinforcement. Right? We just need to speak positive all the time, all the time, all the time. Just positive, 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 positive all the time. Yes, we need to do that for sure, but we also need to balance that with proper admonishment. This is what it says in Proverbs 29.15. Write this down. Proverbs 29.15. I'll just read it to you. The rod, listen to this, and reproof give wisdom. Reproof gives wisdom. 
But a child left to himself brings shame to his mother. Discipline your son, verse 17, and he will give you rest. He will give you the delight of your heart. And so this is the role of the father then, is, as he doesn't provoke his children to anger, but rather he, he nurtures them by, through discipline. He nurtures them through instruction in the way of the Lord. He, he gives reproof because reproof gives wisdom. He disciplines them because he knows that that will be a delight to the Lord and delight even to his own heart. It's discipleship. And fathers are to hold fast to this calling, this high calling to influence and nurture and admonish the children, their own children, in the things of the Lord. There's one more thing I want you to notice here. And you need to turn to 1 Thessalonians to get there. 1 Thessalonians, this will hopefully bring, bring this full circle back to where we are here in Titus. In 1 Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. You guys need to see this. Again, this will all just kind of wrap a bow, hopefully, around this, this whole thing. Paul is describing to this church, the Thessalonian church, he's describing to them the nature of his ministry. And he uses an illustration. Uh, he uses a picture of what his ministry was like to this church. A picture of how he cared for his people. Okay, here's what it says. This is, this is the picture that he uses. Uh, verse, uh, chapter 2, verse 7. We were gentle among you like a nursing mother taking care of her own children. So being affectionately desirous of you, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves because you had become very dear to us. For you remember, brothers, our labor and toil. We work night and day that we might not be a burden to any of you while we proclaim to you the gospel of God. You are witnesses, and God also, how holy and righteous and blameless was our conduct toward you believers. Verse 11, for you know how, like a father with his children, we exhorted each one of you and encouraged you and charged you to walk in a manner worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. And what Paul is illustrating here is exactly the role of an elder within a church. He is to be the combination of a caring mother and a father in the church to his own children. This blend of hard work and labor and sacrifice in encouragement and exhortation with tenderness and gentleness and patience and intentional love, nurturing. And Paul is imploring the elders that this is how I was to you. This is how an elder is to lead in the church as he would his own children and imploring his own to walk in a manner that is worthy of the gospel. The pastor is not a CEO, he's a shepherd. As a mother cares for her own child, affectionately desirous of you, 
And like a father with his own children, exhorting each of you, encouraging each of you, charging each of you to walk in a manner worthy of the gospel. This combination here is that of a parent to raise the spiritual barometer in the lives of those in the church. To disciple and nurture in love, to correct, to rebuke, to set the example of discipleship and influence in the lives of others. That's what Paul is saying to Titus. This is how an elder is supposed to be. And if they can't do this in their home, then they can't do this in the church. And we need to know this too. Because this is, if, the, if you keep stretching the illustration farther, the picture, picture far, farther, then this model of discipleship needs to be happening all over our church from one man to the next. Because that's what we do. We disciple others around us. We find godly men and women and we say to them, would you pour into me? I notice how you disciple others. Would you disciple me? This is the process. So you say, what about the women? The same thing is said in Titus, in Titus 2 that mature women are pouring into younger women. The model of the small of your family becomes the model of the entire church. In many ways, the pastor is seen as the father. And it's incumbent of the men of the church to dis disciple other men. In fact, it's the expectation of the church member to be discipling other men. It's what's healthy. It's what the design is. And you're trained to continue to disciple and continue to disciple. It's why Paul can say this. Look up in uh, Titus 1.4. This is why Paul could say this to, to, to Titus. My what? My true child in a common faith. Paul saw Titus as if he was his own son. My true child. And so the qualification then is this, that the man can disciple his own family and do so in a way that would be an example for others to follow, and then he takes that model and he disciples others within the church. It's not about organization, it's not about managing, but it's about discipling. It's about faithfulness to his wife, it's about faithfulness to his children. And I understand this too, that this is hard work, this is difficult. There's times where you just want to Kind of just step away and say, you know what, I don't really want to do this anymore. I, this is too hard or this is too difficult. And I want to encourage you. I want to speak, speak truth into you. I want to speak courage into you, fathers. Don't give up on your children. They need you. Stay at it. Work hard. Die to self. Do whatever it takes to see your children grow up. Loving the Lord their God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength. Set new standards in your home. Define the relationship between you and your child. 
You have a responsibility to them, and they need you. Shepherd them and guide them. And you guys know this, those especially who have older children know it better than any, that there's different stages in the child's life, right? Where when they're younger, there's, there's a way to parent them. And as they get older, there's a way to parent them. And then as they get older, there's a way to parent them. And then and, and even older and older. But what? You never stop, what? Parenting your children. It just takes on a different avenue. All right, children, it's your turn. Turn to Proverbs chapter 6 because you've got a role in this too. Turn to Proverbs chapter You thought you were going to be off the hook, didn't you? No, no, I've got four children listening to me. I want them to listen to this. Proverbs chapter 6. We're not done yet. This is what God's word has to say to you, children. Okay? If you think you're still a child, then you've got to listen to this. All right? Some of you are like, I still feel like a child. Okay, good. So it says in Proverbs chapter 6 and verse 20. My son, keep your father's commandments and forsake not your mother's teaching. Bind them on your heart always. Tie them around your neck. When you walk, they will lead you. When you lie down, they will watch over you. When you awake, they will talk with you. For the commandment is a lamp, and the teaching is a light, and the reproof of discipline are the way of life. Listen, as your parents are trying, children, you listening? Parents, as your parents are trying to pour into you and love you and set the course of life for you, and as they're trying to discipline you and instruct you in the way of the Lord, your best move, you ready? Your very best move is to listen and obey, to, and obey them. They're doing everything they can to submit to the authority of God in your life and to pour into them. Your best move is to listen and obey them to, in fact, bind their instruction on your heart at all times. Tie it around your neck so that when you walk, when you walk and you go and you live everyday life, what are you going to remember? You're going to remember the instruction of that loving father who poured into you and that loving mother who gave everything she could to see you walk in the way of the Lord. It's your best move. You say, well, what about discipline? I don't like to be disciplined. Well, what does it say there? It says the reproves of discipline are a way of life. Why? Because we're sinners and you need instruction. You need discipline in your life. It's just a part of life. And you need to obey and keep your father's commandment. Don't forsake your mother's teaching. The only time you would not listen to your father and you're not listening to your mother, listen closely, is when they are telling you something that is against the word of God. It's the only time. Something contrary to God's word. Instead, you honor and you obey them. That's the way the relationship works. Father to a son, father to a daughter, mother to a son, mother to a daughter. And if a man can do that, if a man can shepherd his household well, he at least hits one of the qualifications there of an elder to set the example for the rest to follow. Heavenly Father, thank you for time and your word. Lord, I, I know, and I've said this before, that going through this list of things is, is sometimes just a shot right to the heart. 
Lord, there's no way we can accomplish these things apart from grace. We need so much grace just for today. Lord, help all the fathers out there. Whether they have little newborns or they have grown adult children to remember the responsibility that they have to continue to nurture and train and be involved in the lives of their kids. To love them, to care for them, to shepherd them. For some, that's going to be harder to enter back in. And for others, it's a grace of God, the relationship that is between a father and a son or a father and a daughter, mother and a daughter, mother and a son. Lord, help us to remember that the goal is not well-behaved children. The goal is not to raise a Pharisee. The goal is heart transformation, genuine salvation, and an upward life of growth and sanctification. This isn't a competition. Forgive us, Lord, for competing in parenting. It's not a competition. The souls of children need fathers who love them enough to tell them the truth about sin and salvation and forgiveness and Jesus Christ. It's about spiritual growth. Help us to keep that in mind. And as we grow to love you more, may we grow to love our families more. As we need the grace to do all of this, and we can't do it apart from your help. In Jesus' name, amen.